الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفاه صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا. اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. ولا تهنوا في القوم ان تكونوا تعلمون فانهم يعلمون كما تعلمون. وترجون من الله ما لا يرجون صدق الله العظيم. There is a slogan or there is a statement that is made very often and regularly by the oppressed people of Palestine, which we have heard on many occasions. That with our soul and with our hearts and with our blood, we will sacrifice for you, O Masjid al Aqsa al Mubarak. And this is something that the people of Palestine and the Ummah in that part of the world, they do not just make as a statement. Today, we use words from our mouths and from our tongues, but when we look at what is unfolding and what is happening in that area of Gaza, then we realize that these people are actually living examples of that statement. It is their heart, it is their condition, it is their day and night, day and night. It is their life. And therefore, we understand that whatever they are being affected by, it is not only their crisis, it's not their problem, it's not a political problem, it's not about occupation of land, and it is not about a certain uh, geopolitical situation, but it is actually a crisis of the Ummah. It is a responsibility of the Ummah. Rabbi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam likened the Ummah as we have heard many times before, to a body, al-Muslimina kajasadin wahid, that Muslims, this Ummah, every Muslim, every person who is a leader of Kalima la ilaha illallah, is an important and integral part of this Ummah. And in this takawin wa'udun, tada'a lahu sa'irun jasad bisahirun al-Ummah. When one limb, when one part of the Ummah is feeling pain, is under difficulty, is suffering, then the entire Ummah, every person in that body of the Ummah experiences pain. And what we see, the outpouring of solidarity, the outpouring of, uh, of support for the people of Hansa is nothing but the Iman that is in the heart of each and every believer. And we find similarly on the opposite side, those who are in favor of the oppression, those who are in favor of the aggression, those who are in favor of the occupation, they have lent their support in their voices to that side. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran al-Kareem. So that we may come to know who is true to Allah, who are the truthful ones, 
and who are the Tariqin, who are the disbelievers, who are the hypocrites, and who are the ones who have rejected Allah and Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is a distinction that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is making between the people of the world. That on which side do you fall? Do you fit yourself on the side of the people who are oppressed, who are standing up for a just cause? And when we say that this is not a political problem, we understand that Arabic Muqaddasah, this struggle, my dear friends, this crisis, whatever is happening, the root of it is embedded in the Qur'an and Karim. We understand the history of everything from the Qur'an Sharif. And that is why Nabi Sallallahu collected our hearts. You know what? What are we collected to? Are we collected by blood? Are we collected to bodies? Are we collected to race? Are we collected to culture? No. None of this connects us. But the thing that connects us is the Kalima La ilaha illallah, the Quran al kareem and the fact that each person's heart is on the heart of those who are experiencing what they are undergoing. But if a person does not feel the difficulty, does not feel the pain and suffering, then we have to ask ourselves, are we a part of the body that has become numb, or that has been affected by a stroke, or that has been affected in such a way that it is no longer feeling anything? Has we become a dysfunctional part of that body? Like we know when some part of the body doesn't have circulation, or it doesn't have feeling, then we can't feel the pain of the rest of the body. The rest of the body won't be feeling pain. So therefore, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam likened us, and it is a sign of our Iman. We must make shukr to Allah that if we are concerned about the position of the Ummah, the crisis of the Ummah, then it is a sign that Alhamdulillah, there is Iman in our heart. And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to give us the type of courage, the type of Iman, the type of valor, the type of unconditional uh, subjugation to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's Okay, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's dream. These people, my dear friends, can we imagine, can we for a moment imagine and think that who can undergo such difficulty and suffering? From every side of the world, everything is closed. Everyone has abandoned them. The Muslims have abandoned them. The leaders have abandoned them. The countries of the world have abandoned them. The armies of the world have abandoned them. How must they be feeling? How must they be feeling? But what we do understand, and this is the positive part, and this is why we sit here with our hearts pain, and we are concerned, and we feel, but at the same time, we sit with a lot of hope. Because this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran al kareem When we are in circumstances, then we turn back to Quran Sharif to understand how the Ummah and how Sahaba and how other people in the past, how they uplifted themselves. How did they survive the crises of the past? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the believers hope that do not feel that the suffering is going to be endless. Do not feel that you have been defeated. Do not think that you are weakened. After the battle of Rahad, as an example, we know that the Muslims suffered a lot of casualties. Seventy Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala were martyred. One Sahabi we cannot even 
count how many people of the Ummah he is equated to. One Sahabi can be 1,000 people. One Sahabi's Iran can be 10,000, 100,000, 1 million. And more, much more. That is the value of the life of one Sahabi and the Iman of one Sahabi. And here 70 Sahaba, great Sahaba were martyred in this battle. And the morale of the Muslims was very low because we know what happened with the archers. We know that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi himself was injured. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's was made shaheed. He was bleeding. He was attacked. And everything happened in the Battle of Wahid. At that point, like how we feel perhaps at this time, the things, what do we do? How can we respond? Everything has become so one-sided. At that time, a similar situation had prevailed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the believers encouragement. He gave them hope. He gave them consolation or consolement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Oh my Sahaba, oh companions, oh Muslim Ummah, don't feel weak, don't feel despondent, don't despair. And don't grieve over your situation that why this happened, how it happened, how can it happen. Don't be grieving. Of course, naturally we feel hurt, naturally we feel the pain of what is happening. But at the same time, we do not become weak, we weaken ourselves and we lose our self courage. We have to remain positive. We have to remain motivated. We have to remain hopeful. Because that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran. Antumul a'alaum in kuntum We will be victorious, Allah says. We will be victorious as long as we fortify your iman. In kuntum mu'minin. As long as we remain committed to Allah ta'ala and your, and your kalima, then inshallah, ultimately the ummah will rise, ultimately the ummah will be victorious. And we saw that is what happened with the Sahaba Rabbi and that is what happened in many, many battles after that, and throughout the centuries of Islam. We found that there may have been situations when Muslims were at a low point in terms of their power and strength and, uh, and dominance, and when Allah elevated the believers again, then we find that there was a peace and harmony in the world. So what is happening, we've got to keep in mind both scenarios, both situations, but yes, it gives us great amount of pain, yes, it makes us extremely saddened to see what is happening, and it makes us feel that you know, we need to respond, we have to do something, and that is an important part of our responsibility, but at the same time we keep ourselves psychologically Psychologically, we keep ourselves positive and motivated. And this is a very important aspect of what is happening at the moment. Because the disbelievers, the propaganda machine is in full throttle. It is at full speed. The lies that they are speaking. Open an interview at one of these propaganda channels and see how they are covering the tracks. See what type of lies they are speaking. See how they are trying to Manipulate the minds of people. So one battle is the battle on the ground. What's happening there? The other battle is the battle of the minds. And that is where we fit in. We perhaps at this point cannot have any direct impact on what is happening on the ground because of the circumstances and the situation. But we can shape the narrative. We can shape it as the truth. Because this belief and this false information and false propaganda 
and distortion of the truth is one of the things that they are using to affect and to overcome the minds of the people of the world. Remember, it's not only about Muslims. Yes, we are the effective officers in battle of the Ummah. But we must remember that there are many other peace-loving people also. They have human values. The enemy has crossed all lines. They do not even regard the Muslim Ummah there as humans. According to the history, if you have to look at where of the genealogy from Ibrahim Al-Amin this is where the whole shift takes place. Ibrahim Al-Amin we know, had two sons, Ismail and Ishaq Al-Amin The Bani Israel, the Jews, are the children of Ishaq Al-Amin And great messengers and Anbiya all came in that galaxy of Anbiya and messengers, that lineage. It was Yaqub Al-Salaam, Ishaq Al-Salaam, Yaqub Al-Salaam, Yusuf Al-Salaam, Yusha Al-Salaam, all these Anbiya, great Anbiya and many others had all come on the side of the Bani Israel. And Ismail Al-Salaam, who is the lineage of Ibrahim Al-Salaam, is the lineage of our Nabi Qudim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they believe that they are the chosen people of the Anbiya. And Na'udhu Billah, Na'udhu Billah, we ask Allah for protection. They regard Ismail alayhi salam to be an Ill, from an ill-gotten lineage. That Hajar alayhi salam and Ibrahim alayhi salam had an ill-gotten child. This is the type of propaganda and the poison that they try to spread. That, you know, this is what the reality is. And therefore, we do not regard them to be legitimate. And we do not regard them to be even worthy of any rights. We do not regard them to be worthy of anything. Now, 70 years. To try and remove this strong nation from the face of the earth. And up till today, as we speak, this is their objective. This is their purpose. They have said it. We don't even have to go and read between the lines also. It is very clear. It is as clear as daylight that we want to finish them off, we want to destroy them, and we want to remove the problem so that anyone can live in peace. This is their objective. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turn the whole people against them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show them his power and his might and his kudra so that they understand and they come to their senses. Because presently they are in a state of insanity. They have lost their senses. Which human being will deprive innocent children, babies, women folk, old people, patients, suffering people of water? Which human being does that? Which human being cuts off the food, cuts off medicine, cuts off gas, cuts off food? We have not seen this is unprecedented. This is an unprecedented type of a situation. It reminds us of the Battle of Karbala. When they had cut off the water from the beloved family of the Bikarim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That was the first thing that they did. Why? Because they wanted them to suffer the test. And this is how the disbelieving people work. And this is why the Quran speaks about the type of, the nature of the disbelievers. How much of hatred they have for Islam and Muslims. And we can understand this from the Quran. But here it is. A living example. We are all living it. We are all experiencing it. We all can see it. We can do nothing about it, physically, but it is a reality. And this should align us to the importance of our Iman and our faith and our responsibility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with Iman. 
And Allah has given us a sense of humanity. We have a sense of values. That even in the battle, and even in whatever circumstances, whether it is with the enemy, that human values are to be upheld. That you don't hurt women, you don't hurt innocent people, you don't hurt babies. And then again, the lie machine, see how they work. They wanted to peddle the lie that these people are broken, they are murderers, they are massacres, they are, uh, they are enemies. Look at what they've done to these children. And Allah Allah explained their lie. Allah explained them. Allah opened the lie to the world. And then they have to backtrack and they have to cover up and they have to do all the propaganda all over again. So all of this is one big game that is played out. But it is a very, very critical time for the Ummah. It is a very uh, decisive time. And we have to be all very concerned and very awake to the realities. And we have to be conscious. We have to align with our consciousness. We cannot be living life as normal. We cannot just be saying, okay, it's business as usual. Conflict is there far part of the world. We're battling it out. It's a 17-year-long struggle. That is carrying on. Bombing has been happening all the time. Well, it will happen to come to an end, everything will go back to normal, no? There's no normality for them. There is no normality for them. Even when there is no bombs falling, them too, they are living a life of extreme oppression. They are cutting them off with water, with supply, with medication, with movement, with travel, with education, everything. It is a psychological battle that they are fighting for their self-determination, for them to be treated as human beings in their own very land. Those are the That's why I said in the beginning, it's not a political problem. This is a matter of being in Islam. Nabi Sallallahu has mentioned in the Hadith Shari'ah, the Malaika and the angels spoke their wings over this part of the world. The Imam of these people is on another level. They are saved from kufr, from shirk, from all forms of, uh, you know, things that make people uh, forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why we can see the type of courage that they have, the type of Imam that they have. So Nabi Sallallahu said this entire area is a Mubarak area. It's a blessed area. And what area is this? This entire area of the Levant, which includes, it includes Syria, it includes Iraq, it includes part of Iran, it, it includes Gaza, it includes Lebanon, it includes Jordan. Today they have chopped everything up and made a mess of everything. But, but we do know that this is mentioned in the Hadith Our source comes right from the divine source. That what is the basis and the asal of everything. And eventually, eventually everything will come back together. The puzzle will be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the puzzle back together again. It's not like it's forgotten and the new boundaries are being drawn. Because this is Arab al-Mahshar. It is the land of resurrection. Every one of us will be standing on that land to give accountability to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Arab al-Mahshar. This is of historic significance. They say over a hundred Anbiya and messengers are buried in this Mubarak land. Many of the Anbiya lived here. They had, they lived out here. They had their families here. They lived in this vicinity. Allah close to my death, take me to Arab Sham, take me close to Masjid Al-Aqsa, take me to where to the Mubarak land, so I pass away there. Ibrahim Allah Nabi Alayhi Salaam's grave is there. And the great grandfather of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hashim, the father of Abdul Muttalib, he is buried in Gaza. He is buried in Gaza. And like that, there is so much of virtues of this vicinity 
that we understand that this land does not belong to any nation or any people besides even Islam. In fact, some scholars were making mention that there was a family who had a house very close to Masjid Al-Aqsa. And these people had their plan of expansion and they're taking over the whole place and other things. So they came to the family and they offered them several million dollars. And told them, look, there it is. The money is here and you need to do it. And to the same and you move out and go and enjoy your life somewhere else. What was the answer that they gave them? The answer that they gave them was that they had to ask the elders. He said, who is the owner? You are the owner, you will be there. The title deed is in your name. He said, we are not the real owners. This property belongs to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa They are the owners. And we do not have permission from them to sell this property. Look at their conviction. Look at their yaqeen. Look at the courage of these people. And look at how, how much they appreciate in the jungle. That is why the least that we can do from their sitting is not to, we should appreciate them. We should be supportive of them. We should be making dua for them. We should be crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send them malaika to help them. And we should never at any point become critical that, oh no, this is, this is the analysis, and this is how it is, and why they did this, and how they went about it, and this and that. Because we do not know what they are going through. We cannot even feel a fraction of what they are going through. It is an unbelievable type of a situation that human beings in today's time have got so much of courage and so much of strength. And this can only come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In yansurukum Allah, fala ghalibah lakum Allah says in the Quran to me. If Allah Ta'ala's health is with you, if Allah is with you, then no one will overcome you. And this is precisely what we see happening. That how much they have tried to overpower them, to take control of them, to wipe them out, to kill them, to gain them, to psychologically defeat them, to physically defeat them. They tried everything. And up to today, the resistance and the courage and the iman is stronger than ever before. Wow. It is stronger than before. And now the enemy has been blowing a very severe psychological blow. They have realized now that we are facing another type of force here. This is not an ordinary. If you put it on paper, what it is on paper? Sophistication of the highest level. Every type of artillery, every type of sophistication, every type of intelligence, every type of whatever you want to put up to the table, which is there for them. Numbers and whatever you want. The red line is a chemical warfare, which is illegal. All of that. And on this side, what you put? Few people, thousand, few thousand people. Uh, not, not much. They've got whatever they got. Allah is helping them with that artillery, whatever they have. But what more do they have in there? Do they have intelligence? Do they have this? Do they what in comparison to this? So on paper, if we have to put it down and ask anybody, what's the outcome? What should be the outcome? The outcome should be in a matter of hours, in a matter of days. If that it should be finished, it should be over. But Allah says, we are Surah if Allah is supporting you and as we're getting feed, what we are seeing, what we are hearing, one particular person from the sent a voice note to say, to say that we are feeling the malaika are assisting us. They are seeing the brothers of the shuhada 
And this is the advantage of technology. The bodies of the Suhadar, the people in the hospital are saying, we are smelling musk. We are smelling the musk. Some of you may have seen these things. It's coming live food. We are smelling the musk from the body of the Suhadar. There they are. There's the person. There he is. We are smelling the musk. We are here. We are present. So all of this is science that indeed these people are fighting a cause for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. It is not for the land and the land and the possession. All of that is already gone. It's already finished. They don't have hope in anything else. But they have hope in shahadat. One person is living outside Gaza and his family is inside Gaza. And he is in constant contact with his family. And he is speaking to them on a daily basis. What's the update? What's happening? What's your Peter's condition? And they're giving him updates. So he said, what's going to happen? What is your morale? How are you feeling? They said, Alhamdulillah, we are well. Why? Because we believe that we are all going to die. We believe that we are all going to die. And that is the reality for all of us. We all die. We all got to die. We're going to die at our time. And it is not something that we can change. Delay. It's not something that anyone has got any choice in. We don't have control over that. So we have conviction that if Allah is going to take our souls, then that is Allah's Bashirat in his hukam. It's going to happen. And if Allah wants to spare us, Allah will spare us. But we have control over the way that we're going to die. And we have chosen to remain here. And if our death is decreed, then we will die the death of a shaheed. That is the intention. That is the movement. That our resistance here, our staying here, is for the protection of Muslim Aqsa, the Holy Land, for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is what will give them the shahadat. And so you mentioned in the Hadith Sharif that a Shaheed, a martyr, before his blood reaches the ground, before his blood reaches the ground, Allah Ta'ala makes his complete hafidat and forgiveness. That's what our entire desire is in this whole life. We want Allah Ta'ala to be happy with us and forgive us. And as his soul is leaving, he sees the manzer of Jannat. He sees Jannat, he is placing Jannat in front of him. If anyone has to tell us here, yeah, right now it's your time, no, go Jannat. Will anyone say, no, stop, hold on, I don't want to cut off tea to have or to finish some work? That's, that's the back in line. The person is going into the everlasting abode of happiness and bliss. So Shaheed sees his abode in Jannat. And there are so many other virtues of the Shuhada that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, that the Nisa Salam has made mention in the Quran or in the Hadith Sharif. So we ask Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, unite our hearts. Our responsibility here is that we have to be one. We have to become one. We have to speak in one voice. We have to show the solidarity of the Ummah. Because the people in there who are under attack, they have heard that there are people out here that are thinking of them making dua for them and are together with them in their cause. That is what hope they have. And Alhamdulillah, they have acknowledged this, particularly the South African Muslims and all the Muslims around the world, that we have always been part of the support of the Palestinian uh, situation, the jihad, the struggle, and we ask them also that we can continue making contribution. And one thing that we can do very effectively, sometimes I will, I'm one individual, what can I do? There's nothing I can do, there's nothing much that I can do. There's a lot that we can do. That that du'a that we make and that pain that we feel and that 
contribution that we make in whichever way, whether it is participation in the program, whether it is participation in raising awareness, whether it is um, participation in the psychological warfare that is taking place, the media war that is taking place, all of that is part of the struggle. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will acknowledge that as an amal in our part of the struggle. I will conclude with one incident, Salahuddin, Ayyubi Rahmatullah, the conqueror of Masjid al-Aqsa. When the battle was going on with the Hussains, he went into the Masjid one night, and he spent the entire night in the Masjid, crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reading dua, reading salah, reading al-qa'ah, asking Allah ta'ala to grant victory and to overcome the enemy. When he comes out in the morning from the Masjid, he sees a person who has some type of philosophy and piety on his face. A believer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants these qualities to the true believers. And he tells make dua. The enemies are sending the ships from Europe. They are sending those ships from Europe with, to reinforce their armies. And if they have to reach here, then there is a fear of the balance of power, that the advantage that we have at the moment may be disrupted and be defeat. So I am very concerned and ask you to make dua. What did this person tell in Salahuddin Ayyubi? He told him that your tears of the night have already sunk those ships. Your tears of the night. So it is the tear that is the weapon of the believer, my dear friends. It is the dua, it is the tasbih, it is the talimat, it is our effort, it is our mujahada, it is our amal, it is our sadaqah. It is all of those things that Allah has given us power in and power through that we should hold on to and we should intensify. And everything else that we can contribute, raising awareness is part of the struggle. To be active on the media is part of the struggle. To be able to give awareness in each other way, to raise the, the, the awaz, to raise the voice of this particular situation is all part of the honor. People of Palestine uh, resolving victory. Allah Allah let them become victorious and it becomes a lesson for the world that dealing with Islam is alive and that the Ummah is one Ummah and no one must be able to, uh, to harm this Ummah. If they want to, then this will be the consequences.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. 